Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We have a great show ahead of us today. We are going to take a deep, deep dive into the metaverse. We'll talk about the worlds that make up the metaverse. We'll discuss the currencies, a.k.a. crypto, that are used in these worlds. And then we'll also talk about the opportunities for businesses in the metaverse going forward. But first, we're going to get some stock picks and juicy ideas that can make us a little coin. I'm Andy Gersher. This is Gaines. Let's bring in Matt Shapiro, president of MWS Capital here in Chicago. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining us on the Gaines podcast. How you been, man? I've been great, Andy. Thanks so much. I'm actually enjoying Southern California right now on a business trip. Oh, nice. Very good. Very good. So, um, you know, to kind of set the table here and get your take on uh, financial markets right now, stocks, equities, where do you see the the stock market right now as we're at or near all-time highs kind of across the board? Thanks, Andy. Uh, what a great introduction. Um, well, we can two things. First of all, we're sort of in just a year-end cleanup mode with the markets up 25%, give or take, um, for the year. So seasonality right now is so strong. We've had a really good earnings season. And then my expectation is there's a lot of sort of individual moves in individual stocks, but the market as a whole seems to be sort of at this level. You can never predict that, um, but I do believe things will quiet down other than individual things. And if history is any guide uh, with the gains we've had over this past year and the excellent earnings, uh, really good numbers on retail spending, uh, interest rates that are higher but not materially so, and a Federal Reserve that's been sort of baked in. Um, not to be, you know, too particular about things. I know this is an easygoing conversation, but I feel we're just going to hopefully investors out there coast into the end of the year. Yeah. Having I- said that, let's talk about what's happened over the pandemic too, which is crucial to taking a look at closing out 2021. It seems like the world's opening up. I've thrown this out there in, in a number of conversations I've had with uh, folks. The one thing that kind of strikes me about the market right now, and everybody's saying what you're saying, uh, you know, after we've had a monster come back from the depths of the pandemic, and uh, seems like the world's opening up a little bit, you know, we're coming on the other side. I, I, I guess one of my concerns, and, and I've talked to a lot of people about this, is nobody uh, is seeing uh, 
any kind of downside to the market right now. And I got to tell you, that right there kind of scares me. Well, you make an excellent point. So when I say the market's where we're at, I feel that's supported by the general economic conditions. However, yes, I'm getting calls every day. How about this IPO? How about this stock? How about crypto? How about this and that? So, yes, pockets of frost. But as we've seen, even in uh, February, the market eventually enforces a heavy discipline on the meme stocks or the stuff that gets out of hand without impairing the overall market. So, yeah, those people are being maybe a little bit too daring in some high flyers. You know, you can have a severe pullback, but I feel the overall structure of the market is incredibly strong if you look at all the numbers. So let's talk about the high flyers and the things that are really exciting right now. Um, You know, this is the Gains podcast. We have a little something uh, for the conservative investor, but, you know, in a lot of ways, you're speaking to the degenerate like myself who loves crypto, uh, you know, just loves getting in on these meme stocks. Uh, you know, we, we talk all the time how a lot of the gains listeners are are some of the, the, the people who are getting into some of these high flyers you're talking about. So um, what what is your take on those? Do you play in the meme stocks? Do you play in crypto right now? Um, the riskier side of the market, um, how, how do you see things, Matt? You know, we, of course, absolutely, we try things here and there. A cautionary tale is today, Oatly, plumbing new lows, just disastrous situation. So that was a stock we actually bought, you know, low 20s or whatever, peaked at 26, started to have problems, sold it at 18, it's now below 10. So that's a cautionary tale of what can happen in a meme stock. So realize these can drop in half. Now, that said, there's some we have been seriously taking a look at. One we think, which has a great pedigree, is called BACKT, uh, B-A-K-K-T, which is a a subsidiary or, shall I say, um, a new business unit of the Intercontinental Exchange, which is the parent company of the New York Stock Exchange, so essentially the most successful exchange company uh, in the United States, potentially globally, started this new cryptocurrency exchange, which has now uh, relationships with um, Visa, MasterCard for payments through cryptocurrency, which is crucially important if crypto is going to be more widely accepted. So this stock, uh, you know, we bought not for a lot of people, just some people that, hey, Matt, where's where, what's a crypto play? What can I do without necessarily specifically doing crypto? So we got into it, had some trouble with it, but held on. The thing then ultimately skyrocketed out of nowhere to over 40 then um, because it, it's in a post-IPO SPAC situation, has been pressed down to about 20, where candidly we think it represents good value for the long term. So right there – crypto meme a stock that skyrocketed now come back down at 20 we actually like it the symbol is b-a-k-k-t that is an interesting pick what other uh ways through the stock market do you get exposure to crypto in terms of our investments one of our largest investments is in nvidia which is having earnings uh presently about uh after we speak um 
after the bell. NVIDIA being the chip maker, often in a lot of the gaming right now, uh, for those not familiar with the company. What's the ticker on that, uh, Matt? NVDA. NVDA. And you've actually been a fan of that, if I'm not mistaken, even as a stock picker on the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Still holding NVIDIA, NVIDIA, huh? Absolutely. Now, it it had peaked out, and we we trimmed a little back, actually, just recently. But, I mean, still a major holding. Um, And, you know, that dominates the calculation. It's become the most valuable semiconductor company, I I think, uh, at least in the United States, you know, in the world. It's completely eclipsed Intel and everything. Intel has, like, become the Ford and GM of, of chips. So it is what it is. And, you know, we're fortunate that it's become a major investment of ours. Uh, that will, you know, will be conti- uh, committed to long term. Also, that's a play off of crypto as well, because don't they yeah, make absolutely. some of the, the chips for mining as well? So graphic cards and then also com- uh, components you would need for mining as well? Yes, they uh. dominate the chips used in mining, 100 percent. So that's become a major source of revenue. Now, that is a volatile business, the mining business. So they've actually tried to and actually very skillfully segregated the mining chips from their overall graphics and overall computer chips. So just a brilliant company, you know, and the CEO, he's like, you know, you need a Tom Brady to be a CEO to make these incredible stocks. And and they have that. Well, let's go find some others. Uh, You know, we're hungry for big gains. It can be a little risky. Uh, What else is on your list? What's, what's catching your eye? You got to talk about Tesla. How could you not? In fact, um, it's funny you mentioned Tesla. I mean, I had Jeff Gilbert, CBS Auto Reporter, yesterday. Um, you know, he said the old big three. We were just talking about uh, Rivian valuation and that stuff. The old big three was uh, GM, Ford, and Chrysler out of Detroit. The big three now is Rivian, Lucid, and Tesla. You just mentioned. You like Tesla. Uh, make the case. Tesla, against all odds, has done what couldn't be done, and that is all credit to Elon Musk. And everything they do and the execution, and they're selling so many cars, and they're so popular. Now, the stock got really high, and Elon Musk uh, was absolutely correct to make a major divestment at this point. But, you know, now's the time to kind of take a look. Now, is it worth a trillion? I don't know if any of us can actually comprehend that these stocks, the mega caps, are worth a trillion, but that's where they're landing, you know? So, uh, I like Tesla. Um, we it's probably we trimmed it back uh, at the 800-ish level, and then even a little bit the other day. We didn't you know sell everything or anything like that. We have long-term commitments, but you know it, it's the name for us. Rivian. We feel you know there was a good opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal about how absolutely overvalued it is. Um, you know, that's of course debatable. You can, and we'll, you, know, you can be for it if you and, want to be. And valued over some major, major car makers. We're talking about this. You have, uh, you know, right. Toyota makes millions and millions of cars and they have a higher valuation, <laughs> you know, so that exactly. just kind of speaks so my to the point is lightning struck once with Tesla. I'd rather stick with Tesla than, than see if lightning strikes again with Rivian. I think the odds are so against it. Now there's such adoption with the electrics. Yes, you have the infrastructure bill. Yes, you have a major global um, government push for electrification. But I really think it's Tesla that captures all that.
We want fat gains, Matt. We want fat gains. So give me a couple more before we wrap things up. Just, you know, where where do you see the potential? Maybe it's some kind of technology. Where where do you see where we could potentially, you know, it's okay being a little risky here. Where are we going to find some additional fat gains? You've given us a couple well, names. I, I, got, I got one stock for you. And, you know, of all the, the mega techs that we, you know, prune back, because that was just prudent, you know, in our position, you know, advising investors, uh, we never sold any Google. We never sold any Microsoft. There are such cornerstone stocks in our economy. And then so the one I'm wondering, could this be the next mini information kind of phenom, is Palantir, which is deep AI, and they have incredible technology to integrate and provide governments, companies, and organizations the ability to see through this craziness we're talking about, the the speculation, and to make decisions bombarded by millions of data bits. So Palantir, PLTR, um, they had pretty much an excellent support uh, uh, earnings support, but not good enough for investors in the stock. You know, traded back down about 23. But here, I think it has excellent value. As we wrap up here, Matt, what narrative do you see right now that most excites you? At directing people's money long term, it's this roaring 20s of an information hyper age, really, you know, the metaverse or whatever. And we, we talk but, about this. It's interesting yeah. you say that real quick. I'll get this in here. Um, I've had several conversations where doesn't it feel and there's a lot of things that are very similar. It kind of feels like it might be similar to what we saw a hundred years ago, come out of a pandemic, uh, you know, the world has changed, all kinds of new technology. And then you had the roaring twenties. Are we entering the roaring twenties a hundred years later? It's possible, but a lot has to go right. And, you know, investors keep your heads out there when, you know, make sure you still stick with that, that fixed income. Make sure, you know, you're cautious enough about it. And if there's a blow off escalating market, like even far beyond what we have now, you are going to have to take some money off the table. And, you know, I I do think um, that we have the potential there. So much money and potential has been created and unlocked out of this economy as a byproduct of the pandemic, including the crypto, even almost part of that whole theme that we could have years of great growth but you know a lot has to happen right and doesn't matter there'll still be corrections so just keep your head and that's the important thing because you don't want a correction to wipe you out because you want to be in it for the long haul even if you're dabbling in the high risk absolutely but no i i don't anticipate you know financial Financial assets have stood this test of time. Um, so, you know, sound fundamental companies like Apple that, you know, we rely on their phones. Google, we really rely on their technology. Microsoft, they'll be around. I mean, sure, there can be corrections and pullbacks, but these are going to be the kind of companies that should do well over the next decade. You know, as we're wrapping up here, and uh, uh, I'll ask you for a couple plugs as well, but uh, hey, be sure to subscribe. Follow and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. Uh, As we wrap up here, Matt, um, you know, we always bring you on the show, President MWS Capital here in Chicago. Uh, Any other plugs that I can give you here? Well, just a shout out to all those, uh, 
you know, veterans out there. My father's a veteran. I'm out uh, here visiting. We just recently had Veterans Day and all those people that serve, uh, whether first responders, people that got us really through the pandemic, um, people vaccinating, um, you know, all individuals working at Walgreens, all those underappreciated people we now appreciate. The checkout clerk at, at, you know, at Walgreens, at Whole Foods, those are the people that I think really deserve a lot of credit over the past year and a half. Well, and hopefully a lot of those folks have tuned into gains and uh, we they're taking this journey with us. So, all right, Matt, hey, good to have you on. Uh, thanks for uh, some of those juicy picks, and we'll do it again uh, sometime real soon. That's Matt Shapiro, president of MWS Capital here in Chicago. Hang tight, because we're going to go to a commercial break. We'll be right back, and we are going to take a deep, deep dive into the metaverse. So hang tight and I will see you on the other side of the spot. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, so I promised that we would talk metaverse. I'm bringing in Matt Wren, co-founder and chief tech officer at Bundle AR. Uh, that's Bundle AR. The AR and Bundle AR is augmented reality. So, hey, hey, glad to have you on, Matt. Uh, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. I guess first things first, we're going to talk about Metaverse here and all the exciting things, Internet 2.0, and I'd love to, you know, for you to tell us about that. But just to kind of set the table here, your co-founder, chief tech officer at Bundle AR, the AR in that is augmented reality. Um, so first of all, tell the Gaines listener what you all do. Uh, well, let, let's start with this. What What's the difference between virtual reality and augmented reality, virtual reality? You're encased in, in a, a virtual world where augmented reality is more of an, uh, you have overlays over actual reality. So kind of give us a, a, a deeper explanation of, first of all, what the difference is between AR and VR augmented reality and virtual reality sure let me let me start with a very simple definition of augmented reality that i give uh, actually quite often um augmented reality and it requires two things to make it really really simple there's there's data there's digital information most of us think three-dimensional things but at the end of the day for augmented reality there's there's some form of data it could be 3d it could be video it could be images it could just be text but there's 3d data or there's data sorry and then there's the physical world and so you know what in the physical world well it could just be your floor it could be something that your device recognizes it could be you know where you are it could be your geolocation but when you combine those two things of taking data and combining it with your physical presence your physical world you have augmented reality so you're using data is in some way shape or form overlaying your current physical presence that's augmented reality um, and, you know, when you when you think about it in that really sort of simple, kind of a very simplistic definition, it makes it a little bit easier for a lot of people to understand because we can talk, you know, you, people start asking questions, oh, well, what's mixed reality or what's VR and what's, you know, how do the two intersect? Right. Uh, you know, what happens if, what happens if, if I'm wearing a VR headset, but I'm able to see, you know, live camera view through it, but then I'm putting digital information for is that AR, is that VR, is that MR? You know, we, we try not to cross the lines too much. And if you just think of augmented reality simply as, you're layering data over the physical world. That's augmented reality. Now, virtual reality, by comparison, virtual reality, generally you're in virtual reality when you are occluding your view of the physical world around you. So you're not actually looking at, you know, you're, you're generally, you're, your vision of your current physical location is completely blocked and you are somewhere else. Now that somewhere else could actually be, you know, whatever, you could be in a 360 camera shot of exactly where you are currently as well. But basically what's being displayed to you in virtual reality is your, you know, your eyes are, you know, sometimes other senses as well, but generally your eyes are seeing a completely digital environment. And that digital environment could be anything and anywhere. 
Um, and I, like I said, it could in theory be your, your current presence too. But realistically, if you're being completely occluded from seeing, just seeing your current physical location, now you're in virtual reality. And that's, that's um, a key so, you know, distinction. About- uh, that, and that's a key distinction to make, right? You know, as we start off here, the difference between augmented and virtual reality. Um, just real right. quick then, with bundle AR, you know, augmented reality, that's your space. Talk about just to give a couple examples and talk about bundle AR and what you all do in the augmented reality space. Sure. Well, and you know, so augmented reality is, it's at the end of the day, it's a communication technology and it's a very, very powerful one. And what's so great, you know, we're, we're seeing all sorts of really great uses for it. Um, but there's also problems with it. And one of the biggest problems with augmented reality is from a technology standpoint, it's very, very hard to create it. It's difficult. Um, this is, you know, it's not, it takes time, it takes a lot of resources, it takes a lot of specific knowledge in general to create augmented reality, just to take, even to take, you know, a video that you currently have and place it in physical presence is hard. And so what Bundle AR is, we're a web-based no-code platform that makes it very, very easy for anybody to create and publish augmented reality. You don't need to have any coding skills, you don't really need to have even design skills. You, you can have very basic computer knowledge of how to use a web browser. And we can teach people how to create and publish augmented reality in a matter of minutes. And the fact that our platform allows that means that people who want to actually benefit from AR technology can start to really quickly do experiments and really quickly you know, deliver actual functional things that they can do in AR and then they start to realize the results, and that can be very, very powerful very quickly. Uh, and give me, you know, Matt, give me a, a couple of, of key examples here, uh, some, some cool stuff that you all have used, uh, used augmented reality technology um, to, you know, it's used in advertising, information. Give us a couple examples. Sure. I'll give one, you know, there's, there's a very public one that thankfully one of our, one of our biggest clients is Microsoft and they're, they allow us to share this publicly because they share it publicly because it's public facing. Um, in April of 2021, they released the Xbox wireless headset, which is a new device for Xbox that they had, you know, they never released it before. And so, you know, they did an experiment with us, frankly, it was an experiment at the time. It was a pilot where what they did is they took the four most common reasons that people call for tech support for that device, and they actually created an augmented reality support tool for the a, for the Xbox wireless headset, so that you could, you know, just through anyone's mobile device, any iOS or Android device using Bundle AR, you could either point at the actual headset itself, you could point at this um, this paper that had come, you know, shipped in the box with the headset, or you didn't need to do any of those things. You could actually just place a 3D version of the headset on your desk or on your floor. And there were four buttons around it, and those four buttons were what you had to do to troubleshoot the four most common reasons people call for support. And in doing that, it did a couple of things. You know, from from Microsoft standpoint, number one, it, it reduced the number of times people were calling support, which was great for them. It's a cost savings, and you know, a, a significant one at that because their support center is their most expensive way that they support customers. Um, but on the flip side, it also made it a better user experience because let's face it, those of us who are gamers or those of us who are using technology devices, the last thing we want to do is call tech support because you know you're just going to, you know, call a phone number and be on hold. So, full disclosure, ability- I'm I'm one of those gamers. I'm one of those degenerate gamers, and I know exactly what you what you're talking about. I don't want to get on uh, get on the phone and have to troubleshoot it, and then having an option where you actually 
see everything, it just it's got to make troubleshooting stuff a lot easier. It was so, like I said, the, the results from that pilot were, from Microsoft standpoint, number one, the call center, the calls for those four those four support items dropped, which was great, and that was again a huge cost savings. But it also improved their customer satisfaction because now the customers who didn't want to call support didn't have to. They were able to go through the, the four main troubleshooting steps without having to call anybody. So they were able to get back to gaming faster, which is what their whole goal was. And I mean, it was, it was, it ended up being such a successful program for them that they, you know, within a couple of months released it on the actual Xbox console, as well as the controllers too. Cause they're like, okay, this went so well for this new device. We're launching it on the old devices also. I mean, you could um, just, you could think of a, a million ways and a million different companies that could implement this um, technology just to reduce having to deal with their customers on the phone. Exactly. And I mean, you know, we can't, uh, bundle AR, we're, we're, very, we're very sensitive about our customers. We're very private about our customers' information and what they use it for. So we don't share a whole lot of these use cases. But if you kind of think of what we just did for Xbox and you realize, okay, well, if you're in a manufacturing facility and you've got a manufacturing, you know, a machine that's doing manufacturing and you had to get, you know, troubleshooting support on that machine. That's again. That could be done using the same type of augmented reality. Or if you are a, if you produce a product yourself and there's multiple configurations for it, that could be delivered in the same way. Uh, so again, without without giving away too much about some of our customers who you know are definitely they're not as uh, you know they won't let us share publicly what their use case is, but similar types of use cases. So with augmented reality, what we do a lot is we do a lot of training, uh, a lot of education. Things like maintenance procedures on equipment, things like troubleshooting of devices, uh, field support, uh, all sorts of use cases like that. We're working with the military um, and we're doing all sorts of different training with the military right now, whether it's, you know, giving giving operators a base of knowledge on equipment before they actually go to a training, a physical training course. But it's the type of equipment where they're not going to come across it regularly or it's very expensive and they're only going to get, you know, a limited amount of time to be in the actual physical presence of something that is very expensive. Um, that's the type of knowledge that you can deliver very efficiently using augmented reality, whereas to do it practically without augmented reality is very expensive, and in a lot of cases, it's not even possible. All right, so you got virtual reality, augmented reality, all key components to the metaverse. And uh, I, I just wanted to get your take, first of all. Facebook makes the change to meta. And, you know, you know here's just one of the, the things that just took off off of that news. I'm a crypto guy. Uh, I trade Poly, Engine, Decentraland, you know, Mana. Uh, mm-hmm. You totally saw those cryptos take off just when there was talk about the metaverse and Facebook changing the meta and, and talking about that. So um, what is the metaverse? I guess that's, you know, to just get started there. I've seen multiple gen- uh, definitions of the metaverse And there's several companies that are involved in the metaverse. I've even, the one thing that I've heard that was most interesting is the metaverse isn't a place. It's a point in time where the virtual world becomes more important than the physical world. So I've heard all these different theories on that. Kind of give us your take on the metaverse. Uh, I'm going to go with a time definition definitely makes me think, you know, Snow Crash or Ready Player One, a little bit more of the dystopian future type stuff. Um, so let's hope we don't get there. Right. Uh, we, you know, we, we'd rather have a much more positive outlook on the future. 
Um, I, I think, you know, the metaverse has a lot of definitions, but I, I don't, you know, I don't think the metaverse is something in the future. I think the metaverse exists now and it's, you know, it's in an early stage. It's, it's kind of like the internet. If you really want to think about it, like the internet didn't start when people had access to consumer web browsers. It was around for decades before that, but there were only limited people using it. There were only limited tools and people had different tools and access to different ways. Uh, and that's kind of where we are with the metaverse now. Is It's not that it doesn't exist now, it does. And there's different tools and there's different ways and certain, you know, there's certain areas of it that are kind of a walled garden and there's certain other areas of it that are more wide open. Um, and I think we'll see over time that the technology is going to evolve, hopefully in a way that is, you know, beneficial to everybody. Um, what, what's really neat about the concept of the metaverse is, you know, we, we have in, in the in the physical world, there's there's this huge concept which drives a lot of the economy of, of scarcity. You know, there's there's only so much land, there's only so much uh, food, there's only there's only so many materials that we have. Whereas when you start dealing with some of those things being digital, it's a lot easier for things to go around easier. You know, there's a lot more to share. There's a lot more things. There's a lot more access. Um, and so when you start to talk about the metaverse, you know, real, real simple definition concept of the metaverse is just it, it's the mixing of the physical and the digital worlds. It's, it's the combination of both. So, you know, um, honestly, somebody who had uh, one person, one really good visualization of it that I can think of was very early on in uh, like when Magic Leap launched. Uh, the CEO, Roni, had um, he, he had um, this visualization of what he called, I think he called it the Magic Verse. But it was basically the concept of like, hey, here's the physical world. And then beyond the physical world, there's all these different layers of digital world that coexist and kind of, you know, you might be interacting with any one of those sort of planes of data at any given point, but they all simultaneously exist. And it just matters, you know, which one you're looking at at any given point. And that's, that's a great analogy for the metaverse. Um, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my office right now at my house, you know, and I could place, I can use the bundle air app to place an augmented reality, you know, some, some, I, I use a, a demonstration we do is with a gas meter um, all the time. I could, I could place a digital gas meter in my space and it'll be here and it exists, but it only really exists if I'm looking at it through the Bundle AR app. Whereas if I throw my Oculus Quest on, I could be in the same physical location, but I could be in, you know, a completely virtual world of Ready Player One or Echo, or Echo Arena, or I could be playing Beat Saber. Um, so, you know, the cool thing about the metaverse is you have an unlimited number of spaces that you can be in any given single physical location. But at the same time, you can also bring an unlimited amount of physical of, you know, data into your own physical space as well. Is the, that was making it more confusing. Or no, no, I know it, that that's, that, that does explain a lot. And I, I think a lot of people probably wonder, well, so where is the metaverse is, is it, is it, um, you know, there's Decentraland, there's Sandbox, there's these different worlds that are created. They all have currencies. Um, the artwork in these worlds are often NFTs. Uh, you know, we hear a lot of these, these uh, you know, the buzzwords, cryptocurrencies and NFTs and all being part of the metaverse. And then these worlds that, you know, as I mentioned, mana, this is the currency for Decentraland. There's a world called Sandbox. Uh, kind of explain these the different worlds, the currencies, the NFTs, just how it all ties together. Well, sure. And I mean, again, that, that actually gets it. So I can talk about the currency stuff in a second. But, you know, when you start talking about the different physical. So one of the earliest iterations of those, those different worlds was um, 
uh, Second Life. And so, you know, Second Life's been around for a long time, and it's it's a it's a digital world that people can go and you can you know you can kind of buy land in it and you can build up your own sort of your own digital world within Second Life. Um, and people are using it for all sorts of different purposes. There were people who were doing it for all sorts of entertainment purposes. I actually just recently, uh, about a year ago or two years ago, I connected with a professor in, uh, he's from Montana and he's in Second Life. He has a full digital reproduction of like a, um, a natural gas uh, refinery, I think it is. I'm not entirely sure. I, I, I have to go look at it, but he uses it to teach students how to, how to, you know, operate like people who are actually going to do this in the physical world, who are actually going to go operate this equipment. He has a virtual reality environment that teaches them how to do it. Um, and is so that using the that headsets? Is that, is that using headsets and, and all, all these devices to kind of, so you feel like you're actually in this, this facility. I mean, even though you're not there is, is, is when you're, when you're doing something like this with this professor, is this world, are they interacting with it through like an Oculus headset? Uh, in that case, you can. Okay. Uh, and that's that's actually what's uh, that kind of gets to the whole metaverse again. Like, why is, is the metaverse here today, or is it the future? That yes, you can access it using a virtual reality headset, but you could also do it in two D on, but you know, your computer or even on your mobile device. Oh, okay. I, I'm not sure if you're, I'm not sure if mobile devices can run Second Life. Okay. Uh, but a, a good example of that, a more modern example, of that would be AltSpace. Um, so AltSpace, you know, it's meant to be accessed through a VR headset. And it's actually probably, you know, a better experience if you're accessing it through a VR headset, but it works on your mobile device too. So you don't have to be in a VR headset or you can use it on a computer, on a, on a you know, using a mouse and keyboard. So it's the same virtual space and I can go in there on a mouse and keyboard and interact with somebody else who's there on a headset. And there's, again, to, to your point, there's an unlimited number of these right now. There, there are, I don't want to say it's unlimited. There's, I'm sure there's a limit, but there's there are a ton of these out there right now. So I can think of frame VR. I can think of all space. I can think of Verbella. I can think, you know, there, there's off the top of my head. Um, there's all sorts of different environments that you can access them either in VR or 2d or sometimes on a mobile device. Um, it's a virtual space and people, you know, I've had my, my, my personally, I've had business meetings in a Verbella office where, Myself and somebody else who's in Chicago, we're meeting with somebody who's, you know, across the country or in one case, actually on the other side of the world. Uh, we're all sitting in what seems like the same physical presence, but obviously we're, you know, physically thousands of miles apart. Uh, and that's, that's one of the really cool things about the metaverse. And it doesn't necessarily have to be on a VR headset or even using AR technology. I can use basic computer flat to, you know, flat screen technology to access it. So multiple. Um, start to, again. Well, I was going to yeah, just go say, you're, you, so you can use multiple multiple devices to interact with that world, depending on how you want to do so. Uh, that was really interesting. Uh, with the uh, you know the meeting that you sat in, what what was that in some kind of world, or was that what what platform was that on when you when you sat in that meeting and you all f were in the same room? Uh, so that that business meeting was in Verbella, and actually, what I can you know to that point, this is this is a great kind of example of some of the capabilities this stuff allows. We all know that the, you know obviously there were tons and tons of trade shows and meetings and events that always took place physically, um, and then the pandemic happened, and all all those meetings that people would go to, they still had to have a way to happen, and a lot of a lot of them migrated to you know Zoom, video chat, and webinar type platforms on the internet. But some of them went into these virtual platforms. So VRAR Chicago is an event that I've been running for, you know, uh, close to five years now. 
and it's a monthly event and we, we, we help the community connect about virtual reality and augmented reality and just show people, hey, listen, here's the things you can actually do with this technology. And if you want to, you know, if you want to learn more, just reach out to us or our panel members or anybody who is here, because that's the whole point of running that event is to demonstrate to people, here's actual practical value you can get out of these technologies in your industry today. And if you want to start using it, we'll help you use it and we'll help you find the people that can help you. Um, so that, that's what that event series has been about. And it was a physical event series where, you know, where we've been sponsored by 1871 in Chicago for several years. Uh, so we were always hosting it physically at their location. But then, you know, we had 100 people booked to be at our physical event on April 1st in 2020. And on March 20th, they're like, nope, everything's shutting down. We moved the event um, at that point into Altspace and we hosted it in a virtual reality environment. And I want to say we had, I think, 80 of our 100 and some, 80 of the 100 people who were supposed to be at the physical event went to the virtual reality event. Wow. Um, and then a couple months later, we actually moved it into Verbella, which is a different environment because Verbella had a little bit better, you know, they had a little bit better tools for actually producing a produced event. Um, and we've had, it's been going now for almost two years in a virtual environment only. And we're actually looking forward to, you know, in a couple of months, getting back to a what we're going to call a hybrid event because we're going to do it physically, but we're also going to simultaneously simulcast it into that virtual environment. All right. So give the details. We're going to do, you know, I, I have shameless plug time. Uh, and, okay. and so give the details right now. How, how could somebody find more about that? Get involved in 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 this kind of thing, this this meeting and, and, and get involved with this group. It sounds fascinating. Sure. So VR Air Chicago is, um, I mean, you just go to VRAirChicago.com and reach out to us. The, the monthly event, so VR Air Chicago does a couple of things. The main thing, the sort of really public-facing thing that we do is we have the monthly event series, which we call The Next Evolution. It's been going on for five years now. The first one was in March 2017. Um, and it is free to attend. Uh, we all, you know, we're always happy to have sponsors behind it, but, you know, the sponsors help us to produce the event and to, but we bring in, what we do is we bring in people, we generally pick an industry topic every month, and we bring in experts from around the world who have done virtual reality or augmented reality solutions for that industry, and they do a very quick, just, you know, a very short, very brief presentation about themselves, like, here's who we are, here's what we've done, just a few minutes, and the majority of the event is actually there for the audience to be able to ask questions. You know, the, the, what we've always said is the goal of the event is for those who are coming to the event, the attendees, to be able to take their next step forward in using this technology, whatever that is. If your next step forward is you just need to see what's out there, if it is to be able to connect with an expert, if it's to, you know, meet a business partner, to find an employee, um, those are all things that have actually happened at the event previously. We've, we've, there's been a business that I know of, uh, there's actually been a couple of businesses that I know of where the people met at the event and formed a business because they had an idea and they found each other and there was a guy who had an industry idea and there was a guy who was a virtual reality programmer and they met and they came together and they formed a business and built a solution. Uh, so it's, it's a really cool event series. Uh, you know, and the Gaines listeners going to want to check this out. If you're interested in this kind of thing and you want to take your game to the next level in the understanding of what we were just talking about here, again, Matt, what is that website and how can people get more information? It is VRARChicago.com. So like virtual reality, augmented reality Chicago, it's VRARChicago.com for that. All right. So you're going to be sure to check that out. And then also be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review 
on Apple Podcasts. We're trying to uh, get the word out about gains, and uh, that would be doing us a huge solid. And then also subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know so you know when a new episode drops. Uh, we'll have another uh, episode coming out on Friday. Okay, um, Matt uh, uh, wanted to also just talk about where this is going and what this might look like kind of farther off in the future um, as far as the metaverse. Um, we talked about these various platforms uh, and, and and some of the technology involved. But like I said, there are a ton of them. Uh, Decentraland comes to mind. In, in Decentraland, it's a world that has a currency. People have businesses in there. There are casinos uh, that people gamble in. There are you can buy property. You can uh, there's NFTs involved, uh, which is more like the art marketplace. That's just one example. There's a lot of these. Talk about you know one of you know these these type of worlds where people are you know doing business, buying properties, actually buying property. And, uh, you know, and it's all being uh, supported by a, a currency uh, in, in the example I'm using, uh, Decentraland, the currency's mana. But, it's you know, explain this a, a, in a little bit more detail, uh, Matt, on, on, on just kind of how these worlds work and how this all gets tied together. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get really kind of theoretical here. Um, how different is that realistically from the United States? Right. You know, when, when you really want to go into one of these virtual worlds and you, it, it's, you know, it doesn't have to be, it could, the central land is a great example. Uh, Roblox is another really good example of this. Um, World of Warcraft was doing a lot of, you know, a lot. Yeah, I don't know if you can necessarily buy a property in World of Warcraft, but the right. same concept, there was a currency. There was definitely things that you could do to earn the currency. Um, there were people who were actually selling the currency outside of World of Warcraft. There were people who would go in and do things like mining or whatever and create currency and then they'd go sell it on eBay to other people who would then bring it in. So, you know, there was definitely a value there. They, they, um, and there was a lot of people. But, they called them farmers. You know, there were people who were yeah, farming farmers. in the game and then putting that out on, selling some of the, 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 either if they've mined crypto or had other things from the game that, you know, brought it through eBay or through another source. That's interesting. Go yeah, ahead, absolutely. Um, no, that's okay. So with the central, so, uh, you know, we'll take the central land as an example, because as you're saying there, you've got real estate, you've got, uh, a currency, you've got uh, people who are actually working in there, you've got casinos in there, you've got all of this stuff happening. It's essentially, you know, it's its own little microcosm of society, frankly, it's its own society. Um, and so, you know, a lot of that is built on, you know, so with block, with the NFT stuff and with some of the currency, that's being, nowadays it's being used blockchain, which is great. Um, you know, so the, if you want to start talking about blockchain, we can go back to Bitcoin, which is, you know, the one that most people have heard of at this point, or a lot of people have heard of. Um, you know, digital currency is a really neat concept. I like it. It's, uh, I own some. I won't say I won't probably, I probably don't own as many as you do. Um, <laughs> I, I pretty much, I stick to, I stick to Bitcoin and Ether, frankly, myself. And we've uh, already, we've always like, talked about that, actually. And, and I, you know, it's funny. I say this all the time and you, you Actually, when I talked to you about this a while back, I always always tell people the safe play for crypto, which is volatile. And I got this from you uh, a, a while back, and I have implemented this somewhat, and it's worked out just brilliantly. The play 
the safe play, as far as crypto, which is already volatile, the safe play is dollar cost average into Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Ether. Yeah, over the long run, and you'll do just as fine. And there's even cases where that tactic does just as well as people who add a bunch of altcoins. And, you know, the degenerates like me who, you know, uh, am eyeing sheep right now, who love Doge and all that, that's that's fun. But, I, you know, from, from talking to you, the real safe play that makes sense with legit projects in the space long term is the dollar cost average into Bitcoin and ETH. So props to you on that. And it's, I mean, if you really think about it, it's not all that different from dollar cost averaging into the S&P 500. You know, it's okay. If you're, if you're a stock, I'm a stock investor. I've been a stock investor. I've been, you know, since I started my career, I've been putting a portion of my savings into the stock market. And what do I, the majority, the vast majority of what I do there is every month, I buy the S&P 500 and I just forget it. I don't trade it. I just forget about it. I buy it. And, you know, when I'm older and decide I'm going to retire, then I'm going to, I'll look at it and I'll pull it out. But I also have, you know, that's the vast majority of it. I also have my money that I go play with. I have a, you know, a few thousand dollars in a trading account. that's an active account where I go, you know, I buy the mean stocks or I buy some options. You know, one of my favorite ones right now is I have a couple of long-term options actually on the company that's the parent company of Verbella. Uh, so EXP World Holdings, I bought options on that a while ago and I'm, really kind of happy i did i'm just like you know i'm watching that grow because it's growing uh very very well frankly um and so you know i do that with the stock market you can do the same thing with crypto of you know and it's it's probably very valuable to take a small portion um you know i wouldn't as you mentioned crypto is volatile it's scary it's dangerous it could you know I, i fully expect it could all just go to zero one day and i'm willing to accept that it could go to zero one day but that's why I'm not going to put my entire retirement on it. I'm going to take a percentage of my retirement and I'm going to do exactly what you said. I'm going to dollar cost average a percentage of my retirement into Bitcoin and into Ether. And I'll have another small little pool of money that I'll go play with and do some Doge and some Shiba and some other stuff. But I actually don't play, you know, with my businesses being the way they are with Bundle AR. Bundle AR is doing very, very well. Like I said, it's really cool to be an augmented reality company and have a have a giant company like Microsoft as your customer. Of course, they, yeah. They have the whole lens. They know a few things about augmented reality. Um, so, you know, our other big customer right now is the U.S. military. So it's great. And it's, it's, it's a really neat thing. It takes a lot of my time. So unfortunately, I have not had any time to really trade for fun, you know, trade kind of gamble with the, the cryptos. And it's um, funny you mentioned you know, that because it is time consuming and unlike stocks, oh, yeah. it's 24-7, yeah, seven yep. days a week. I mean, it's a, sometimes when I'm trading cur- uh, crypto, I feel like I'm, you know, working the never ending shift at 7-Eleven. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's the thing. If, if, if you if you look at it like it's gambling and it's like, you know what, you might you might hit the jackpot. Don't get me wrong. You might hit the jackpot and it'll be great. That'll be a real tangible result for you. But at the end of the day, you're gambling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, it, it's the same thing. And we, we always so tell people that, too, that, you know, uh, and, and then if you want to if you really want to get into volatility and that's my next thing. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask you, have you also delved in NFTs, which make crypto look like blue chip IBM stock? <laughs> as far as volatility? And have you bought property in some of these worlds? Um, I have not bought property in a digital world yet. I've okay. looked at it. Um, 
specifically a couple of the, there's a couple of different digital worlds that actually kind of overlay the physical world. Um, and so those, you know, I've, I've, I've toyed with the idea of buying some areas of, I'm from, you know, I'm from Chicago. So I've toyed with the idea of buying some sort of iconic locations in Chicago on those, but I haven't actually done it yet. I haven't pulled the trigger. Full disclosure. Um, I, I, I've been yep. looking, it's interesting. You, you're familiar with OVRs, the currency for, uh, you know, what you're talking about, a, a world that's, uh, augmented over the real world and they sell spots there it's interesting you know the places that you know people start scooping up they you know you buy landmarks you buy uh you know if you're opening a business i I think some people are already staking their spot out you know what i'm saying it's it's really interesting how that works out yeah it's a neat thing and then you know when we start talking about nfts the there's things that I really like about NFTs. I like about the concept of them. I don't know. I don't really know if the technology is quite there yet. Um, and it's, it's more the restriction. So I, I saw somebody who was explaining this really well, uh, just recently on a video interview where, um, you know, they were trying to explain to uh, Quentin Tarantino, you know, the iconic image, uh, you know, with, with if you, he had said, Hey, if you NFT every single frame of Pulp Fiction, you know, the one that everyone's going to know and it's going to be really high value very quickly is the one with John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. The two of them kind of, you know, the poster, the the the, the poster of the two of them pointing the gun. Right. Um, that, you know, everyone had this bootleg poster from Pulp Fiction when they were, you know, several years ago. And he's like, that would be the one that's worth something. So if he NFT'd that frame and said, okay, you know what, we're going to we're gonna make an NFT out of that frame. And sure, there's a thousand, you know, whatever, there's, there's a hundred million bootlegs of that image out in the world physically already. But for the people who have the NFT, anyone who has the NFT, you know, there could be, again, cryptography, you know, much like a a digital currency embedded in the NFT. So you can you can look at it and know, you know, there's a way to evaluate. Is this the actual NFT? Is it a real one or is it one of just the fakes? Is it just an image? Um, But anyone who's got one of the real ones, they have access to some other rights of, you know, the people who have bought the NFT, maybe they are available to get a licensing fee from everybody who actually, you know, buys the real poster. Um, you know, so there, there's things you can do with the NFT by using, again, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrency concepts and having smart contracts and things built around that, where you're now assigning value that can be controlled digitally. Um, so it's like having a contractual relationship without having to have a lawyer sit there and interpret it where, you know, just the, the, the digital aspect of it is able to actually enforce what, you know, like a smart contract, basically. I've heard, Um, I've heard one way, uh, well, I was just going to kind of pick up there real quick. I've heard it. uh, A really good example is, yeah, there's a million copies and pictures of the Mona Lisa, but Mm -hmm. you know, if you, with an NFT, if you, I mean, it's ownership. And that gives you the ability to do a lot of other things. You could market it. You could put it in skins and game. I mean, just it, it's it's like actually, ha- you know, the Mona Lisa. There's millions. I mean, there's copies all over in books and art books and posters and you know all over the place. But you know, through the blockchain and an NFT, um, you know, it, it, actually, if you own the actual Mona Lisa and you have rights to it, that's a whole different animal. Than just having a poster in your room. Exactly, and if you start, you know, start to think about how you could actually apply this. So think about um, a musician uh, who is they're going to release uh, they're going to release a single, they're going to release a new single, and what they're going to do is before they release it, they're going to say, okay, listen, I'm going to 
you know, there's a, let's just say there's a famous musician. I know there's, there's a couple of musicians who have actually already NFT'd their songs. So I'm, I'm bringing this up as an example. I'm not going to bring any one of them out in particular. But let's say that there's a musician who says, listen, I'm going to pre-sell uh, a thousand copies, and there will only ever be a thousand NFT copies of this song. Uh, and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell those thousand copies for a certain amount of money before I actually even produce it. Um, and so those people, you know, there will be a contract around it that the day that this thing drops, the people who made, you know, put in Ether or, you know, use a smart contract to enforce it. But the people who put in the money, they're going to get one of these, one of the actual legit copies. And then what they could do is they could say, okay, now whoever actually does buy one of the real copies, they have essentially a royalty that's going to come to them, you know, from every actual licensing playing of this music. So they'll, they'll get a percent, anyone who buys the real version, they get a percentage of the royalties. You know, so if you start to think about it, what you could do with something like that is it's, you know, are you familiar with Patreon? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I am. So think about doing Patreon where you're having people sort of like, hey, there's this guy who creates cool stuff and I want to fund him because I think he's great. So I'm going to buy this, you know, monthly subscription. But you ultimately see, we just, you know, they kind of, they kind of just hope that he's going to keep doing it. You, you YouTubers that, use you that a lot. You, you YouTubers right. use that a lot. You hear, you know, the Patreon. Um, so you, you explain that real quick again. So Patreon is, you know, for content creators, anybody, it can be anybody. It can be people who are creating, you know, programs, people who are creating art, people who are doing YouTube, where I just want, you know, there's somebody who's creating content and I want to support them. So I'm just going to sign up to, you know, I'll donate five bucks a month, whatever, because I know that I listen to this guy's podcast every morning when I'm in the elliptical and I, it entertains me. So for me, it's worth $5 a month. Um, but there might be a hundred thousand people who are doing that. So this person's actually making a really good living just by creating content, even though they're not selling it per se. There's just other people who are choosing to donate it. There's other people who are going to watch the YouTube and they're going to watch it for free and they're not going to make, you know, now take that same concept of what's happening there and say, Hey, listen, you know what? I'm going to NFT all of my stuff. And I'm going to say, anyone who's actually donating to me, they're going to get some rights. You know, they're going to buy it by owning one of the tokens, by opening one of the non-fungible tokens of what I've created, they now get the rights to the content that they helped me create by funding it. And so they're going to see, you know, if I do blow up and I go viral and some of my stuff becomes really valuable, they're going to see benefit from that as well. So that's the kind of, that's what's a really kind of cool concept of what you can get to with NFTs. Um, I don't really know, you know, I still don't know of a very good way where NFTs are going to actually limit people just doing the, the you know, the unofficial copy, you know, what stops somebody from screenshotting an NFT image? Well, nothing. But if you're in a digital um, but, world and, and, you know, images can be controlled and monitored and there's blockchain ownership, I mean, it kind of fills and, 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 and we, we've covered so much ground here and, uh, you know, yeah. we're going to bring Matt back to discuss this stuff further. Um, just wanted to kind of wet your beak here, but, you know, as listening to this conversation from a, business marketing standpoint i know others who are, are listening as well can just start coming up with so many opportunities and it kind of feels to me i don't know i could be wrong here but it kind of feels to me that crypto and nfts we're at this is a one in a thousand year opportunity we're in on the ground floor of game game changing stuff and that you know it's really actually a sweet place to be because we're kind of at the start of all of this and uh, do you see it that way um 
I mean, I see that. I see. I'll say yes. I see that this is this is a big transformation. So there's every now and then there's a convergence of a lot of different technologies that kind of launch all at once. So you, you know the 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 only the last one I can really think of is honestly kind of consumer internet. So you had you know you had PCs and you had the consumer internet and you know all of this sort of stuff came together at one time and all of a sudden well you know what everybody was doing in the 1980s to communicate has completely changed. Like it's completely changed. Uh, you know based on just the internet, frankly. Right. Um, and so now we're at another sort of inflection point of there's all these technologies that are coming together. You've got AR, VR, you've got AI, you've got blockchain, you've got, um, you know, a lot of uh, edge computing, 5G. Uh, so there's all this stuff that's really just kind of coming at the same time and converging, and it's going to create a whole change, a whole shift in the way that we kind of live our lives. Now, at the end of the day, does it, does it does it really change? Like, does it completely transform the world and change humanity? Well, a little bit, I guess. We're still humans, you know. We still we still have to eat and drink, and we still want to be interacting with other people. We might want to do it in different ways, but you know, is it a change? I, I there's a re let's put it this way. There's a reason that VRAR Chicago calls their event the next evolution. It's an evolution. It's a change. It's, it's, it's the world is evolving. Um, and there's been major evolutions in the past, and there's going to be major evolutions in the in the future. And I think ultimately, I think evolutions are going to keep coming faster and faster. So, you know, one of, one of the biggest evolutions was probably the printing press, where now all of a sudden information can be can be recorded and communicated easier as opposed to you know stone tablet, I guess, or whatever they were using before. You know, just paper and pencil, but you couldn't produce, mass produce it. And then you've got the radio, and then you've got television, and then you've got you know. So there's different evolutions of communication is pretty much what a lot of this stuff is. Um, and this is just another one, and I'm sure there will be more in the future. But all of this will help evolve a lot of other areas much quicker because it puts some unique technology in the hands of of people who are in whatever you know field you're in. It definitely creates opportunity. Um, that's the biggest thing. It, it definitely creates a lot of opportunity for people to 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 do things that they couldn't do before. You know, one of the things I I, I talk about this with Uber and mobile devices, like there were limo services back in the 80s. There were limo services in the 90s, but it was very hard until the mobile device came around for me to just summon a car to where I am anytime I want to take me wherever I want. That was hard to do. Mobile technology enabled that. There's a million things that AR and VR are going to enable that a lot of us, you know, I've been in AR and VR now for over a decade. There's a million things in here that I haven't thought of yet. And I've been, again, I've gone down these rabbit holes. The same thing with NFT, same thing with blockchain. There's so many things that it's going to allow that even those of us who've been playing with it and working with it for so many years, we haven't even conceptualized yet. Very exciting stuff. Well, let's leave it there, Matt. I, you know, again, I'm going to be tapping into your expertise. We can break down various worlds. We can talk about as all this technology evolves. Um, hey, real quick, uh, and then uh, Matt, I'm going to have you uh, do a couple plugs too. Uh, shameless plug time. You know, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. I've been told that's podcast gold. Um, so if you could do us a solid there, I'd appreciate it if that's an option. Uh, for you, uh, you know, of course, you're the co-founder and chief technology officer of Bundle AR here in Chicago. Uh, you know, as we wrap up here, Matt, uh, anything that uh, any anything you want to plug here? 
Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, so bundle AR and it's B-U-N-D-L-A-R.com. Um, there's no E in the bundle. So it's B-U-N-D-L-A-R.com. The one thing I will say, so bundle AR, we're a software as a service company. We let people create augmented reality. And, you know, aside from the fact that we're a software company, we're a service company, we are there to help. This is one of the biggest things that, you know, you know I, I kind of, it's kind of funny. I talk about the Microsoft thing. And it's like, you never want to call support. We want people to call support. Like we want, if you're having trouble using this account, call us. Like we're here. The, the whole thing that we want is to enable people to find value immediately in augmented reality. And I'm talking real business. Most of our, we're business to business mostly. Okay. So we want to deliver value to our customers. We want them to be able to use augmented reality and to use it in a way that they're going to get value out of it. And so, you know, obviously if you're, you know, one of the things we, we had one customer who I know was, he was going to do a presentation. He ran into, he was using the system and he ran into a little bit of a problem and he told me about it the next day. And I'm like, why didn't you just call me? He's like, what? I'm like, if you were having problems with something and you had a presentation coming up, we have a support, you know, we have a phone number, we have a support email. Did you email us support or did you call us? He's like, no. I'm like, why? We would have solved this problem in five minutes. I was like, and you, you were struggling with it for two hours before. You finally, you know, he, he fixed it. He got through it and he did it himself and he used it in a presentation. But it was just like, you could have just emailed us. And it's one of those things that, again, we we're a lot of us now are programmed not to email support. Um, and with Bundle AR, we want you to email support. We want you to be successful. That's the whole purpose of us having this platform is so that you can find value in augmented reality. Um, and the other thing that I'll say, which is, you know, what Bundle AR does, we want to reduce the time and the cost necessary to get to value. You know, we want you to be able to see ROI immediately because it's with this communication channel, there is immediate ROI. You can you can build your first sort of test use case and get value out of that, uh, which is really cool. It's a re, it's a really neat technology. That's that's what you know. As I said, kind of like we were talking about with all the other stuff with the decentral stuff with the augmented reality. I've been playing in this world now for so many years, and what excites me the most about it is the concepts of the things that people are going to do with it that I haven't thought of yet. Wow, that, yeah, that's... that was really cool. Very cool. So, uh, hey, Matt, thanks again for everything. I'll be reach. I'll be in your ear again real soon, and uh, we'll uh, just continue the conversation next time I have you on. So again, many thanks. Uh, thanks, Matt. That's Matt Wren, co-founder and chief tech officer at Bundle AR. That's B U N D L A R here in Chicago. Thanks again, Matt. And I'm going to tell people, hey, one more time, smash that like button. That's, oh. that's how you're supposed to say it with the cool kids, right? Smash the like button. Yeah, absolutely. Smash that like button and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when we have a new episode, when a new episode drops. Uh, the next one we have is on Friday. I got a ton of cool stuff. Plus, we're going to talk crypto uh, on Friday, books to read, uh, must reads in crypto, and, and we're going to get a bunch of uh, resources then. So, uh, hey, uh, thanks again for joining the Gains Podcast. And like I said, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when we have a new episode. Uh, the next one comes on Friday, and I will see you then. A News Radio WBBM Podcast, powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.